Gracious Lord, we thank you on this uh, and at this midday for a great lunch, beautiful weather outside, great Christian fellowship. But Father, now bless us with um, a blessing that we can take away going back home and to implement in our lives. Father, may it prepare us for the second coming of Jesus. May it make us more like Jesus as a result. But Lord, make us more effective soul winners uh, for your cause. We ask for this very special blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. Uh, let's see. As a Christian, where did my thing go? As a Christian. Um, let's do this. Just to, to get stuff warmed up. And I like to interact with, with, uh, with, the, with the crowd, with the congregation. Is What are some things you remember from this morning? What are some things you remember from this morning? It takes some reflection and remembering. And if there's an awkward silence, that's okay. Uh, but what are some things you remember from this morning? There's a different level of atheist. Okay, very good. Yep. Should ask questions. Okay. Okay, anyone else? What verses to use when not someone talking to the atheist? Okay. I realize we all learn this together, but it's just helpful to just to get brains restarted. So even if it's obvious, just just jump out. Okay. Anyone else? Just popcorn it out. Atheists love prayer. Oh, pan- yeah, yes, yes, yes. Pantheists love prayer. Yep, they do. Spirituality, very intense. Okay. Anyone else? Um, good question. Who are they praying to? Sometimes they're praying to the energies that be, sometimes the spirit, sometimes it's just themselves. It doesn't really matter. It's just they, they're in tune with themselves, I guess is the thing. Okay. Okay. Anyone else? What do you remember from today? When you go back home and Uncle Joe says, hey, what did you learn from OIC? What are you going to say? Too often we come to these youth conferences or, or whatever and we, we learn so much. And we go home and like, hey, what would you learn? Like, I don't remember anything. We're all scattered all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Interaction, relationship. Yeah, yeah. There was one story, and just, it's just thought, I just thought of it. I went to Indiana University, and we had a, an evangelistic series on campus, and it was on apologetics. I actually present some of these things, and guess what happened? It was actually very, very nervous. What had happened is the Secular Alliance showed up. And the Secular Alliance is an umbrella organization of which there are sub-sub-clubs in the Secular Alliance. You have the Atheist Club, the Agnostic Club, the Evolution Society, the Society of, of Demon Worshippers, and, and it wasn't Demon Worshippers, the Society of, of Satanic, some kind of whatever, whatever. And they're like all these small little groups, and they combine together, and they're called the Secular Alliance. And they all came out with T-shirts, black T-shirts, saying God does not exist. They had signs. And we're having this evangelistic series, and all people who are interested are coming in, and they all take up the entire back row. And here I'm doing a presentation, and they're staring me down with the evil eye. Very, very, very uncomfortable, you know. Uh, What had happened is one of the student leaders had the boldness and courage, saying, hey, okay, everybody, um, we're going to have some fellowship, uh, a meal afterwards. Everyone is welcome to come. And I'm thinking, no, not, not everyone's not welcome to come. No, 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 don't come. Don't come. Because what, they're there to heckle the speaker. And who's the speaker? I don't want to. I want to have a nice, peaceful meal. I don't want to, like, you know, you know this, I don't want a war session going on. What happened is three of them had come out. We went to Noodles and Company. 
and we're talking with them, and we're doing everything possible to start uh, to have a friendship, a relationship, and we're avoiding any 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 substantive conversation about philosophy or religion or whatever. Like, hey, what are you majoring in? Oh yeah, da, 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 just very whatever. And eventually, one of them just couldn't handle it. And he's just like, okay. And he takes out the gun. He's like, all right. Why do you believe in this? And why da 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 da? And um, and he was expecting because he came on so so abruptly and strongly. He he was re- expecting a reaction that was equal. And uh, well, I was like, you know, that's that's a great perspective. That threw him off. Just that that attitude of willing to dialogue. And we talked back and forth, and we're like, well, you know this, and we use some other principles here. And like, you know, when you say everything is meaningless, like, that includes everything. Do you, do you realize it? Yeah, no, everything is meaningless. But, like, I don't know from what I'm, from the way I'm thinking, wouldn't that include what you just said? And you're like, uh, and then they, they go through a tailspin, right? And it's, it's like, hey, I, I'm not saying that what you're saying is invalid, or, but I just, that's, that doesn't, it's not internally co- coherent. With, with yourself, like, um, in, in where I'm from, I think stuff does have meaning. There's also a lot of stuff that does not have meaning, but I don't want to say that everything doesn't have meaning. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I believe what, yeah, what, what you just said, yeah, I agree with. Okay, okay. So then you just, you got, sometimes you got to, like, carry them along with you. And eventually we come to a point of, like, a really heated point, and I'm like, hey, um, hey what, well, how come you don't want to, how come you don't believe in God? Did you have some kind of negative experience before? And he said he got really, really defensive. He's like, you know, I hate you Christians because you always think it has to do with a past experience. I never had a past experience. This is a logical, intelligent conclusion I have arrived at. Now, when people are coming up that emotional, the emotions are there usually to guard a lack of, of substance somewhere. So, so you're trying to compensate with some kind of you know, an emotional wall. And the more emotional it is, sometimes it's, there's something deeper there. And my inclination was like, whoa, emotional. I'm a male. I'm a Korean male. I'm like, emotion alert. Okay, calm down. Stoic. Stoic. But then someone, someone, something in me says, oh, no, keep going. Push it even further. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't want to push this even further. No. And, it's like, and he's like, look, um. I think it's very intellectually difficult to be an atheist, and I think, I think what, would you, what a lot will you subscribe to, we'd actually have a lot in common. This, I mean, he just went like, there's like ashes and smoke coming out of from his ears and, and whatnot. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I, I don't want to get into a rough, tough battle. I just want to look at these things in a nice, clear, calm way. And, and we're, we're just talking, talking. Long story made short, what had happened was... Um, uh, I had asked him about his past, and he refused to talk about his past. And so I was like, okay, we just became more friend, more friendly and whatever. I had left, but the students continued to keep up with their friendship and a relationship and kept calling for different events to eat out, play Frisbee together, whatnot. Eventually, and I'd have forgotten about this guy. What had happened is this individual eventually opened up to one of the, the Avenist friends and said this. When I was little, my mom and dad got divorced. And all the, the person I loved in my life was my mom. But she had fallen in love with a Christian. And when they got married together again, the Christian dude said, when we get married, I don't want, the, my, I don't want a stepson around. You're going to have to, you have to, have to uh, get rid of him. I just want to start a new family with you and, and start clean. 
So what happens? She sent uh, the mom sent this guy to her dad uh, to his dad, and the dad was not a nice guy. And, he, and so all this negativity that he experienced, he blamed not on his mom, which he loved, who she loved, who he loved. He didn't blame his dad because he accepted his dad was a bad person. But he blamed the Christian person for causing this kind of whatever in his life. And he didn't realize this. He's like, what kind of person who's a Christian, who's good, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, is not what he lives up, what he lives, what he, uh, he does not live up to what he, he says. You guys don't know what I'm saying. And he, and he just, it just harbored in him. He harbored. And a lot of, time, well, a lot of times, this harboring, harboring, he didn't even know this was going on. And then the mind comes out, he goes to college, and then there's an intellectual philosophy that just jives perfectly well with this and provides all the intellectual defenses and whatnot, and he subscribes to it perfectly. It wasn't until he had another relationship with someone in, the, in, the, in that group that like he felt uh, uh, vulnerable enough, enough to open up to that person. And that person is still, in, 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 uh, I believe, in, in, in contact today. He came out to a church a couple more times, but, I mean, that's just an awesome story, yeah? I mean, he's not a full, you know, Seventh-day Adventist, you know, preacher yet, yet. Uh, but there's a lot of, a lot of uh, potential that, that can happen. Today we talked about uh, deism, pantheism, and atheism. And I hope you have been itching to think, hey, what is theism? Theism. There are different versions of theism, and some of them are, are biblical, some of them are not. But we're going to look at a little bit deeper, deeper on what that, what that uh, comprises of. There are four elements we're going to talk about, just like we talked about in atheism. Number one is origin. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to John, Job chapter 38. This is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite uh, passages of Scripture. Job 38. If you guys know anything about the book of Job, and respectively, I'd have to say Job is a very boring book. It's a very difficult book. A lot of times when you're reading the book of Job, you'll read chapters 1 and 2, but after chapter 3, it kind of gets... You know, three old dudes are talking, they're talking, talking, and then Job talks, and then the three guys are talking, they're talking, talking, they're talking, talking, and then Job talks, talks, and then the three guys come again, they're talking, they're talking, they're talking, and sometimes it's very difficult. What are, what are they talking about? They're just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. Finally, a young guy comes, and he's talking, talking, man, you guys have been talking for too long, and he talks even long, talking, 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 talking. And the conclusion comes in chapter 38, okay? But you have to go through all this talking to get to chapter 38. Chapter 38, verse 1, are you there? Okay, chapter 38, verse 1. What's the first word of chapter 38, verse 1? Then. And I love that word, then. It's like you have to go to 38 chapters of babbling. Uh, I say that respectfully. The, 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 the Bible is in babbling. But these three guys are just kind of like they're dialogue, 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 dialogue. Chapter 38, verse 1. Then the, the who? The Lord, what? Answered. And he's talking to Job out of a whirlwind and said, and I love this, from chapter 38, chapter 39, chapter 40, God asks questions. And I don't know how many questions, but these are the most random, weirdest questions ever. Like some questions are like, uh, verse 16, chapter 38, verse 16, have you entered into the springs of the sea? You I mean, just imagine, like, he's, and there's something like, who made the, the wild goat wild? Who made the mountains? Where were you when the, when the foundations of the earth created? Where were, all these questions. I can just imagine Job is like, you know, 
Have you ever been to the depths of the sea? No. Who made the, the go- wild goat wild? You did. You know, it's just, he, he, there's these impossible questions to answer. Verse 38, when the dust grows into the hardness and the clods cleave fast together, will you hunt the prey for the lion or fill the appetite of the young lions? Who's going to feed the lions in the wild? Uh, You will, Lord. (laughs) It's it's, it's hilarious. Chapter 39 is full of questions. Chapter 40, I love this. Chapter 40, verse 1. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. In verse 3, Job has had enough. It's like too many questions. Verse 3, Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I what? What shall I answer? I can't answer these questions. I will lay my hand upon my what? I'm going I'm to shut up now, Lord. I'm going to cover my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will speak no further. Yea, twice I will proceed no further. In verse 6, and God's like saying, uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to continue asking you questions. What's that? Stand up like a man. Verse, verse 6. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the world and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man. The modern version says, Stand up like a man. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. Verse 8. More questions. 9. Do you have an arm like God? No. <laughs> or can you, can you thunder with a voice like him? Uh, no. <laughs> Continues all the way on. Verse 15. I made the behemoth. I made the, the, all these animals. I made the whales, the Leviathan. Verse 41. Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook? Uh, no. Verse, 20, verse 2. Can you put a hook to his nose? No. It's, it's hilarious. This is a one-way discussion. Verse 40, uh, chapter 42. Chapter 42. The Lord, uh, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. And that no thought can be withheld, withheld from thee. This is his conclusion, guys. Verse 3. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I, what? Like, Sorry, Lord, I, I opened my mouth. But I don't know anything. Of the 100% knowledge in the universe, I don't even know 1%. Of that 1%, Lord, I don't even know 0. 0.000000000 to the 40,000 power percent. Verse 4, here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I, what, what? Abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. It's very interesting. When you ask God, God, why am I suffering? God has three chapters of questions. Every time you have, you have a complaint against God and you're, you're, you're talking to him, God's like, he's not asking you questions out of like arrogance and, and out, of, out of anger. He's like, you are, understand this much, but I have all this to offer to you. We're complaining about, C.S. Lewis says, we're complaining about a thimble of water and God is offering us the entire ocean. And we pretend we know we understand the ocean. So sometimes God has to put us in check and says, Job, open your eyes. And I want you to see the ocean. <laughs> open, see it all. And like, uh, overload, overload. The origin points that, that the Bible is trying to get, get through is from Job 38 to 40, chapter 40, verse 2. God uses design. Uses what? Design to substantiate, to prove his existence. 
It's just called the teleological argument. Whenever in nature you see that something has been designed, we talked about this morning, DNA is one clear evidence that, that there is design in, in the universe. Um, scientists say that you have DNA, which is like a code, then you have the machinery that processes the, the code. Clearly there's intelligence here. This, has, this is not evolution. Aliens made this. And you have these the scientific papers that conclude that aliens exist. You have two guys that, that you should be aware of. One guy is uh, William Densky. He is a, this guy's brilliant dude. He has a PhD in mathematics, a PhD in theology, and a PhD in computer information systems. He has three PhDs. And he came up, came up with the intelligent design theory. He, he didn't come up with it, but he's the one that articulates it the best. And basically he's saying that when you see that there is design in nature, or there is a particular purpose in something, that this is not out of just random uh, coincidence, that this, there's intentionality in this. The second one is a guy named Michael Behe. He wrote Darwin's Black Box, and he came up with the, the idea of irreducible complexity. This is a very complicated word for saying something that's very easy, is if you reduce a complicated thing to its most basic parts, it itself is too complex to just have arrived by itself. So you take a chair, let's, how do you, let's, let's, let's reduce this chair to its most, this chair I've been picking on all day, huh? This chair, if we reduce it to its most simplest parts, what can we do to this chair? Take the back off, okay. Then? You can what? Put at least one leg. Oh, take, okay, take at least one leg. So there's, there's four. We can still have three, and it can still be stable. Okay, very good. I think I put one leg. I'm like, how would, how would you sit on that? Okay. Take the feet off the legs. Okay, we can you do that? The, the legs are still there, but take the feet off. Anywhere else? Take this ugly orange off and just have a little cushion there. Okay, you can even take the cushion off. There's just a little part. Okay, if you take all these parts, is it still a chair? Re relatively a very, very uh, primitive chair. Uh, but, in, but when you reduce it, that in itself is too complex to just have arrived by itself. You don't go out in nature and see like, that the, uh, the chair just naturally is, is formed like that and by stone. So the, the argument that he uses, he looks at the eye, and the eye, when you take away and you reduce it, you can take away, and I don't, I have, I don't know what he exactly says, but you can take away the eyelashes and the, and the color, and just look at the main mechanism, the retina and, and, and the focusing points. That in itself is too complex because the minute you take away one little component, the entire thing shuts down. So even um, you, you look at mechanisms of which um, Stephen, Stephen Jay Gould uses. He's an evolutionist at Harvard that just passed away a couple years ago. He said when you have a, a, a worm or, 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 or a squirrel or a mammal, and they, they learn how to fly, right? You have a wingless creature who eventually evolves into a flying creature, right? And according to evolution, this guy, until he grows out a wing, and at every stage in between, every stage has to be a genetic advantage. Make sense? This guy just doesn't, a wing doesn't pop out of nowhere, right? So then everyone's like, how does that work? And he comes up with this ridiculous story, and this is what he says, and this is, this is recorded. Once upon a time, there was a, a wingless animal. And wingless animals, in order to survive, need to eat bugs, right? 
So then one day there was a genetic mutation, and this one wingless animal had like a little like finger, that, like a little, little flap of skin that, 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 that hang, hung out. Well, this flap of skin provided a genetic advantage because bugs would get caught in, in the flap of skin. And he would eat, eat the bugs, and then the animals with the flap of skin survived, and the flapless animals died off. Eventually, one day, this flap of skin had a, had a mutated, and the muscle tissue got on it, and they could move this flap of skin. So now, if there was a fly here, he can move and slap, and then kill it. And, and because he could move, this animal survived, and everyone else died off. And eventually, this, this, this flap of skin became longer and longer. And because they're longer, you can catch more flies, right? Eventually, you get these long things popping out. Eventually, one day, he fell out of a tree, and he was flapping because he was catching a fly. And then what happened? He learned how to fly. Now, what he doesn't go through. Now, everyone's like, oh, that's a brilliant mechanism. That makes so much sense. Ah, the wing. Well, something that's you know, taking play is we have no evidence of animals who have a flap of skin or anywhere in between. No fossils whatsoever. We also don't take into counter, take into, take into to think... What about feathers? <laughs> feathers in its, the feather in itself is a very complex item. Okay? Yeah, it's, what, anyway, we can get into that. Then you don't take into play of, of hollow, hollow bones and structure of flight, of, of, of aviation, and then the, the eyesight. And you have no evidence of this whatsoever. Does this make sense? What, what these guys are saying, if there's design, this shows you there's an intelligence above that, that transcends us, that there's evidence for. Uh, the atheist willingly places himself, what are the next five words? Not to view these things. The, the, the atheist has to consciously say, I fail to see design here. I fail to see the mechanism of DNA. DNA is like a card. You put the card into, like a, into, a, into a credit card machine and, and processes it. Take it out. Well, I fail to see the design. This just happened by chance. Atheism creates other implausible theories to explain other improbable theories. A sense of awe, wonder, and contentment are not acknowledged or have any meaning. And this is... Uh, this is a really important part. When someone asks you, this is where, 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 where um, theism really, really takes, takes personal meaning for me. Every human being, in order to make life livable, needs to experience awe and wonder. What are those two things? We all experience awe and wonder in different ways. Yesterday, I had a conversation with a brother here, and he talked about bees. I thought bees were like yellow and black little insects that just caused you to like get stung. Fascinated what he had to share. Just blown out of, like queen bees and then like swarming and then like, like it's just, it, it reminded me of, of, of Western European history. You know, like different dynasties arising and it's just amazing. This is what makes life livable. It's, it's wonder and awe. There was a story about a pastor who had three children. Two years old, five years old, and then and seven years old. And he's telling a story. And he says, um, boys and girls, there once was a house. Well, the two-year-old was, was, was going out of his mind. 
there was a house. Oh my, what, what did the house look like? Where was the house? Was it an old house? Was it a small house? Was it underground? Was it, was it, was just, just, this, this house was, was beyond the imagination of the two-year-old. And the two-year-old was hooked. For the five-year-old and the seven-year-old, they're like, what's the big deal? It's just a house. The pastor continues. And inside the house, there was a long corridor with no lights, and it was dark. Well, then the five-year-old leaned forward like, it was dark? Well, who lived in the house? Why were the lights off? Right? The two-year-old was like, uh, I don't understand these things. Like, what? Flipping out. The seven-year-old was thinking, what's the big deal? It's just a corridor in a house. The pastor continues and says, and at the end of the corridor, there was a door. And the door slightly opened and a hand emerged out of the door. The seven-year-old was like, what? Where was this hand from? Was it a monster? Was it a pet? Was it a dog? Was it a person? Where was this hand? What's going to happen? Why was it done? Now he's engaged. The five-year-old is like, there was a hand? <laughs> There's someone living in the house and started freaking out. The two-year-old is like in a coma. <laughs> Can't handle these things. Okay. Now what happened is, these three children experienced something we call what? Awe and wonder. Science, the objective of science, was all started by theists to find out more about God, to experiencing awe and wonder. This is why Adventist education, we're all about learning stuff from, from where? From nature. What happens is, to, in today, today's teens and today's young people do not experience wonder and awe anymore. Yeah? Is that true? We're experiencing the first time in our generation where everything is boring. Is what, everybody? And boring, I think, is a, is a, is a moral evil. And in order to combat bore, boredom, we come up with something called entertainment. Okay? And entertainment is something that only temporarily uh, keeps you uh, involved. Uh, how many of you, when you, if you guys are into movies... When you're watching movies, you're in the, you're, you're, you're watching, and it's, there's awe, and there's, wow, there's like special effects, and there's a lot, and then like, you know, whatever, and like two hours, ah. And after that's done, you ask any young person, there's an overwhelming feeling of depression at the end of the two hours. Because why? Because, you, because it's over. There's so many people, record amount of people who went into depression after watching, this is on the news on the, of the New York Times, people went into depression after watching Avatar. It caused psychological disruptions. They're putting on the 3D glasses that no longer are you watching movies. You're not watching it. You're not a spectator with 3D glasses. You're now actually inside the movie. And after those three hours, and they said it takes about two and a half hours for the mind to adapt itself to, to environmental uh, uh, um, uh, conditions. After three hours in this movie, these guys left the movie theater and they're all depressed. Not depressed like, oh, that was, I want, this is, I'm so sad. They were clinically depressed because they wanted to go back to a world. I think that, that moon is called Pandora, where everything's blue and everything's like, you know, like lights and, and whatever. They wanted to go, go back to that world. Now, that's just, 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 just that's Avatar. But you go to any superhero movie or any, any romance flick or, or, or vampires or, or, or whatever, whatever, okay? Everybody is looking for that sense of awe and wonder. For young people, when they experience drugs, it's not the high that you're actually getting to. Eventually, the high becomes whatever. It's the experience. Dude, 
We shouldn't be doing this. But let's do it. Never experience. Wow, there's a hand behind. It's the same thing. Sexuality, when young people are like, wow, this is what adults do. I'm going to touch. I touched you. Ah, this, this kind of wow. What happens when you become an adult, there's no more awe and wonder left. And you become that, like that seven-year-old. What's the big deal? There's only one entity in this world that can continue to give you awe after awe after awe after awe. Who is that entity? And the objective of worship is not to sit and learn something. It's not to go through a good program, but it's to experience the awe of God every Saturday. Now, what's something I haven't had, we have something, I'm, 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 I'm preaching here. We have, I'm, I'm, digressing. We have something called the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not the seventh day where the laws are, it's my day and you better keep it. This is the day, if you actually look at the theology of it, God, and I don't know how this works, God enters, enters into, into time. Do you know what time is? What is time? Like, this is time. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like this is air, but this <laughs> is time. Think about it. Isn't that crazy? Now, God says, now, and here's, the, here's the thing. In Catholic theology, in Catholic theology, it says God enters into a place. You see the difference? Enter a place, meaning once you come into a cathedral, you have left the earth, and now you're entering to the holy sanctuary, and God is here in this place. But the minute you leave the cathedral, you're no longer in a holy place. But theologically, is God ever located in a singular place? Now, before you say no, yes, He is. He is in a sanctuary, but not a sanctuary on this earth, but a sanctuary. Upstairs, yeah? That's where we're all about focus on Jesus' sanctuary ministry in, 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 in heaven, yes? But when he says on this earth, he enters into time. So every Saturday rolls around. We should be like, oh, this is the day where we don't do anything. We just sit around and stare at each other and sleep and eat like nasty potluck food. That's not Sabbath. I think if that's what God wanted Sabbath to be, that's a horrible Sabbath. Sabbath is a day where like God's here. <laughs> this is so profound. I, 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 I don't want to get into earthly. Today is a day where I don't focus on heavenly spirit. Wow factor day. It's an awe day. It's a day. Does it make sense? This is the destiny that God has for all of us. Amen? Amen? The sense of awe, wonder, and contentment are not acknowledged or have any meaning. Okay. Is that what it says? Oh, uh, atheist. Atheism. <laughs> the sense of awe, wonder, and contentment are not acknowledged or have any meaning. To the atheist, there's no such thing as wonder. There's such thing as awe. It doesn't mean meaningless. Everything is what? Meaningless. Let's go on here. Origin. There's a cosmological argument, and I love this. This is a long quote. But let's read it together. Not read it together, but read with me, okay? This is by Robert Jastrow. He's a scientist at NASA. This is very, very, very famous, okay? 
Now, please don't, don't, don't zone out. Read, read with me, okay? You promise? Okay. He says this. We scientists did not to expect to find evidence for an abrupt beginning because we have had, not hand, had, until recently such extraordinary success in tracing the chain of cause and effect backward in time. Are you guys with me still? Okay. At this moment, it seems as though science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of creation. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a what? A bad dream. The scientist has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He's about to conquer the highest peak, and as he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of who? Theologians who have been there all these centuries. He's saying, like, with all the scientific evidence coming in, he thought the scientists would arrive at the final answer. This is the, 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 the origin point of the universe. And finally, with all this evidence coming in, there, a picture emerges, a picture emerges, and it's like, okay, the answer is, oh, theologians were right the entire time. It just took them longer to figure this out. It's coming from a guy at NASA. Christian theism. Christian theism, we're not going to go into Judeo-theism uh, Judeo or Islamic theism, and I believe Islam isn't really a theistic, but it, people say they are. Uh, one is there's an emphasis on, on what? Now here's the difference. Love begat what? Life. Evolution and atheism says that life begat love. Do you see the difference? In, 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 in the theistic mindset, love was what was first. God is what? Love. Because God loved so much that he had to create life. Because love cannot be uh, relegated to a singularity. That's why you have something, the, the, the Godhead is a trinity, is a plurality. If God were singular, were a monad, just, just solo, and before the creation of anything, and if God, was, God is love, if God was love, and there's only God around, and if he's love, and, and be, back before anything existed, who did he love? Who did he love? He'd love himself. Then you have that as the origin point of all the universe is basically what? Selfishness. But if you have as God as a plurality... Not that we believe in three gods, you understand. But you have God the Father who loves God the Son, who loves God the Spirit, who loves God the Father. You have a plurality in the singularity. You have a community there. You have, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> this, 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 this cycle of love, right? They love each other so much that they're create, the reason why they create other entities is so that they can what? Is to love them. Do you understand? And each denomination has a different reason why God creates. There's some, some, some denominations in, in Protestantism that believe in the sovereignty of God, that the over-empower, over-all-powering sovereignty of God, that God created angels, that God created human beings not to love them so that God could receive glory. Do you understand there's a little bit of difference? Do we believe that we should glorify God? Yes. But some people think that God created human beings so we praise him. That God wants an, 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 an applauding audience. And when God's like, look at this. And I was like, oh, awesome, yay. Is that a self-sacrificing picture of God? No, it's not. 
Now, in the biblical definition of glorifying God, it's not saying that, God, you're awesome, praise you. No, it's to reflect the character of God. And that's another study altogether. Anyway, this is, this is huge. This is huge. Love beget life, not love beget love. In, in, in evolution, you have life. Evolves, evolves, evolves. And you have one worm, and Mr. Worm looks at Mrs. Worm like, oh, you're so pretty, I love you. And then they, 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 they get married and have little baby, baby worms. Okay? Love is a result of, of life, according to their model. It's the other way around. Second is this. There's an emphasis on what? On justice. The character of God places responsibility on creatures. And this is true love. Where God says, look, you have self-will, you have the ability to be responsible for your own actions, and responsibility is to advertise and reflect the character of God we just talked about. The Adventist contribution to theism is the great controversy meta-narrative where justice and love are equally what? This is amazing. At the SBL, uh, uh, BR, uh, SBL Society of Biblical Literature and the, the, Advent, uh, the American Academy of Religion, AAR, the largest convention in America. All the, the, the scholars of the world come together. Okay? If you guys ever read the GYC, GYC is, is huge, like 9,000 kids. But this is like 40,000 scholars coming together. Okay? Every room in the convention center is booked. And this one person did a, um, a, uh, an, an analysis on women theologians in the 1800s. Okay? Totally secular, totally non-Avenist, whatever. And she's, she's going through all the women scholars, all the women theologians in the 1800s. And in this time period, from 1801 to 1899, one name emerges as, number, as, as, the, as the foremost writer. Can anyone guess who that person is? Okay. Ellen White is one of the most, uh, most, most uh, she, she's written the most and been translated the most, I think outside of Leo Tolstoy or something like that, just, just uh, whatever. So she says, hey, I'm going to do my doctoral dissertation on her. So she reads everything Ellen White has ever written. Everything. Okay? She's just reading, reading, reading. And she comes up with two conclusions. And she's presenting this in front of all the, the Bible scholars of the world. She doesn't even know who this is. She doesn't know she's just some weird lady from the 1800s. And she says that, I come with two conclusions. One, this lady has made a contribution to prove a psychosomatic connection to spirituality. Meaning, that's another way of saying psycho, mind, somatic, body, Connection with the what? Spiritual. Meaning the mind, body, and spiritual are all connected. She's the first one that came up with that idea, in, theologically speaking. Second, it says, she, sa- he, she says that Ellen White, through the book Great Controversy, has solved the problem of theodicy. The problem of theodicy is this. Is God loving? Yes. Is God powerful? Yes. Then why in the world is there suffering? If they're suffering, that either means God is not loving or God is not powerful. What's that? But we have free will. But we have free will. This theodicy problem has been the problem for the last 2,000 years, and everyone's been trying to solve it. And he says, finally, Ellen White has solved in the book. Guess which book? The Great Controversy. Well, guess what? Everyone in that seminar left that seminar and guessed which book they wanted to read. And this is, this, no Adventist theologians or evangelists there. This is just happening by itself. Okay. Now, this, this, this meta-narrative meta is this, and if you guys don't know what the meta-narrative is this, is uh, Satan comes up one day and says, God, you're loving and you're just. Uh, these things don't, don't agree. I'm going to make humanity sin. Humanity sins. What are you going to do? 
If God allows humanity to continue on, is God just? No. If, if, if God says, what, you sin? And he's like, is he loving? No. So it's almost as if Satan put God in a lose-lose situation. Okay? I'm going to use this story. There's a grandfather who comes downstairs one day. He has a cane. He comes into the kitchen. In the kitchen, you see mom. Mom's like slicing away in the kitchen, whatever. And he looks at his grandson. And the grandson is in the, in, the, in the crib, a small little crib. And apparently the grandson had done something bad. And the mom had, um, as punishment, not allowed the son to, to play, but put him in timeout in the crib. Grandfather walks down, and he just loves his grandson. He's like, hey, what's going on? And the baby puts his arms out and says, eh, which translated means what? Pick me up and get me out of here. Babies are sinful at a very young age. They know how to, to calculate and, and then do whatever. So the grandfather is in a conundrum, and he looks towards his daughter, and her daughter says, don't take him out. He's in timeout. Okay? So the grandfather has a dilemma, has a problem. The problem with Fiat is a great controversy. is happening in the kitchen right now. Why? He loves his grandson. Yes? Yes or no? Loves him. And when the grandson says, pick me up, what does he want to do? He wants to pick him up and play with him and interact with him and just do everything. But if he does that, he violates the will of who? And mother is trying to teach him a what? A lesson, and she's the law, justice, and, and structure, and duty, and, and, and discipline. So he's in a dilemma. If I pick him up, then he's, he knows I love him, but he's not going to be a good boy. If I don't pick him up, he's going to be a good boy, but he's going to think I don't love him. What does grandfather do? This question is what God struggled with. You, you know what I mean, struggle with, not struggle, but, 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 but yeah, that's struggle. What grandfather did is what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago. Grandfather went inside the crib and played with his son inside the crib. Jesus Christ comes down to this earth and he plays with humanity. And he shows, do we know that God loves us? But does God, does Jesus become a human being and die on our behalf and pay the penalty of sin? Absolutely. At the cross is where Satan's PhD thesis was proven incorrect. At the cross, God was loving and God was just. It was at the cross where the fallen angels said, Oh, snappers, we totally made the wrong decision. For a long time, they're like, you know, Satan could be right. He could be right. But at the cross, they knew for sure that they were done. This is the Adventist contribution to Christian theology. Are you proud that you're a Seventh-day Adventist? This is the worldview we're coming with. This is the story that we get to, to share to the world. Amen, you guys? Amen. Values in comparison. The essence of Christian theism and the highest value is what? It's love. Love is defined and, 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 and values protected through, through, oh, I can't even read today. Love is defined, and values are protected through morality, especially the, the ten what? Inability to understand love results in an ability to understand morality. Atheism relegates morality to private, personal, and individual. Okay, this, this, this sounds kind of uh, uh, stale, but 
The Ten Commandments are not ten rules. They're not ten suggestions. And I would say this. They're not even ten laws. When God says, don't lie, he's not saying, I am God, don't lie. I told you not to lie. <laughs> and he's watching us. And he's got like a th- thunderbolt. And he's like, I'm waiting for you to lie. And the minute you lie, I'm Argh! Okay, she's never going to sit there ever again. Okay? He, sometimes we think that God is like this old man up in the cloud. He's got a long beard and he's got thunderbolts. Okay? That's not God. That's Zeus. Amen, you guys? We don't believe in Zeus. I don't know why he has, he's, he's got like a, you know, father time, kind of long white robe and whatever. He's actually got a black robe, according to, um, I'm kidding, he doesn't have a robe. The Ten Commandments of God are not ten rules for us, but they are ten descriptions on who God is. Yes? There are actually the ten definitions, the ten limitations of God. When people say God can do everything, I disagree. God cannot do everything. God cannot sin. Even if he wants, there's, there's, there's nothing in him that can sin. Impossible for him. There, there are things that are impossible for God. And I always use this joke, and, and it gets the point across. When I was little, my parents taught me how to lie. Five o'clock, the telemarketers were called. My dad, after a long day of work, looked to my mom. Honey, you go pick it up. My mom is tired. She said, son, you go pick it up. I'm an only child. I have no brothers and sisters. <laughs> so I have to go. And this is back in the day. Remember a long time ago, you guys? Maybe you don't remember. We had to walk to the wall because the phone used to be connected to the wall. Remember those times? Remember the little, the, the little uh, the, the, uh, spiral thing? You guys, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. You still have one? <laughs> well, I would go to this phone and I'd pick up. He's like, hey, can I talk to your father? And I'd look towards my dad, and my father would say, okay, which in the Korean, opso means I'm not here. It's like, my dad's telling me to lie to this person. Uh, well, you know, hey, he's not here right now. Can I take a message? And I take a message. Is that a lie? Yes. Is it a small lie? Yes. But is it still a lie? Yes, it is. Now, if this were Jesus... If, this never happened, this is not canonical and by any, any means. If this happened to Jesus, Joseph and Mary, after a long day of the carpenter's house, the shop, they come back home, and a cowbell rings, and, and, and Joseph says, hey, I'm tired, Mary, you take it. And Mary's like, I'm tired, Jesus, you take it. So Jesus goes to the cowbell and picks it up. Hello, shalom, <laughs> uh, how can I help you? And the guy says, hey, I'm, uh, you know, uh, the Schwartz brothers. I want to sell you something. Can I talk to to Joseph, son of Levi, son of of Matthias, son of, son of, son of, son of, son of. And he looks towards Joseph, and Joseph says, Jesus, who created the universe through his words, Jesus, who is incapable of sin, Jesus, who is God incarnated as man, if, what did I say? If he lied and said, he is not here now, reality would warp itself. And he'd look around and say, yeah, yeah, Joseph, I don't know where he is. He's, He's not here right now. Reality would have to change to meet the words of our Lord and Creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand? It is impossible for Jesus to lie. Impossible. Impossible. 
And when God says, thou shalt not lie, it's not saying, stop lying. He's like saying, I can't lie. It's impossible for me. And if you are my children, if you are my people, I will recreate you to be like me so that it will be impossible for you to lie as well. Does that make sense? Thou shalt not steal. You know why? Can God steal? Why? (laughs) Because everything is his already to begin with. Can God commit adultery? He cannot. God is ultimate love. He cannot turn his eyes away from us and look towards anyone else because there is no one else. And his eyes are constantly locked onto us. God cannot covet. Why not? He has everything. Is this making sense? So the, the Ten Commandments are not ten laws, but they're the definition of morality. And the, and the problem is, well, a, lot, a lot of Christians are like, okay, well, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to try to be good. I'm going to not lie, and I'm going to keep the Sabbath, and I'm going to try. <gasps> and if you have a good lung capacity, you can hold your breath for about five minutes. But if you're small, you can only hold your breath for 30 seconds. And what happens afterwards? You get tired. And the more you try with your human effort, what will happen? You get weaker and weaker. God says, I will recreate your heart. Recreate. That's what true morality is. Atheism regulates morality to the private, personal, and individual. It's like, hey, you know, I'm not going to talk about these things. It's just me, my personal choice, just whatever. True. When you have an evangelistic series and someone says, hey, someone come out and come up to the front... A lot of people say, well, it's just my personal decision. Yeah, it is your personal decision. But if you're true about it, you're willing to be, uh, make that decision in front of other people as well. Same thing with baptism. Baptism is like, I'm going to be baptized in the private. I'm just going to go to my bathtub, and I'm just going to do it myself. Okay? It is a public expression because you're so real with it, you don't care what people think. Uh, atheism deals with sin not because it believes in God, but because it is empirically verifiable. Um, Education does not result in morality and values as atheism promotes, but results in educated sinners. Remember, I talked about this before. Okay? You take a bank robber and you give them a college education, they'll just learn to rob banks with a college education. Right? It doesn't make them a better person. Atheism uh, basically asks the question, how can ships not bump into each other? Theism is asking, why are there ships in the ocean to begin with? What is the purpose of the ship? How can we keep ships in tip-top shape? Okay, so atheism is a bit more pragmatic. Meaning. Meaning is found through the expression of love. It's through what? Relationships. Love needs a plurality. It needs a plurality. Uh, That's why for me, um, I'm a naturally shy person. I don't like people. But when I finally understood this, I realized I cannot... It's like the blinds are like, (laughs) we're clapping for you. Yay. (laughs) When I realized that love had to exist in a plurality, it needs human interaction, human contact. And um, I I, um, I don't want to get too deep into this, but the deepest form of relationship is between one man and one woman. It is the most, um, the clearest object lesson that God has given us. If you look in Genesis 1 and 2, you have two creation accounts. Two. The liberal scholars say these two contradict each other, but I don't think they contradict each other. The first creation account, the apex of it, 
the end point is the Sabbath. Yeah? Chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. God created the Sabbath day, Sabbath. In a second creation account, the apex is when Adam meets who? Eve. And it's marriage and sexuality. That's the apex of the second account. So the, from the two creation accounts, the two institutions we still have today from the Garden of Eden are what? Sabbath and marriage. Marriage. The two holiest things that we have today are Sabbath and sexuality. What are the two things that Satan is attacking today? Sabbath. Is, it the Sabbath, is Satan attacking the Sabbath? Is Satan attacking sexuality? Very much. Is he attacking marriage? Is he attacking family? All these things. The closest relationship we can have between God and us is, is in Sabbath keeping. The closest relationship between one man and one woman is through the, the institution of sexuality. This is where ultimate meaning is found. You find a lot of army, a lot of military guys when they're on the on the battlefield and they're dying. They get shot. They're lying there, and their best buddy comes here like, "Are you okay? I'm gonna die." And they say, "Tell my family what I love them." Now, if he's an atheist, he's like, "Well, everything is meaningless. I came from amoeba." My wife came from amoeba. The amoeba came from a matter. Matter is cold and emotionless. It doesn't matter. So he could have just said goodbye. <laughs> or if, if goodbye is meaningless, he's like, <laughs> just, just, just die. Right? But there's something important in, 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 in the human experience where he has to say, even though he's not going to be around, he says, tell my family that I love them. They need to know about this love that I have for them. That he's willing to use his last breath to express this to his friend. Okay? I want to ask you guys, what is the most powerful relationship you have in your own life? And this is where family, if a family is loving enough, is the best protection for kids not to leave the church. It's not an awesome preacher. It's not an awesome program. It's not even an awesome theology. But it's a family that really protects a young, a young person from leaving the church. If a young person has not, I've had young people come up to me and say, Pastor, I don't know what love is. Hey, but don't your parents love you? No, they don't. My parents divorced when I was like two years old. I've never seen my dad, never seen my mom. Hey, don't you have any brothers? Nope, I don't. Don't you have any boyfriend, girlfriend? No, I don't. You've never experienced love? No. If they don't experience love through a relationship, they don't know how to interact with God. So as a Christian, what should we do? Should we tell them about the 28 fundamental doctrines? Oh, I, think, I think we should do that regardless. But more important than that is what? Is to love. Okay? This is where something that liberals, liberals do well, conservatives can do a little bit better. Um, I shouldn't say that. There's, there's, some, there's some liberals who are horrible, and there's some conservatives that are very loving. God created things with meaning. They are accessed through what? Love. So... This girl, I'm just going to use her as an example. She's in front of me. There's some meaning in her. There's some value in her. But I can't access that value and that meaning. I can't, I don't, I can't see where her past experiences were, what she likes and what her name is until I actually engage into a relationship and I have to invest love into her. Make, make sense, you guys? And when I, when, I, when I invest and I interact, then I can extract all the meaning and, and value out of her.
This is not, this is not just with people, but it's with anything. Love is the means by which we access things and interact. And the, and the simple ways to love is, number one, is communication, is, to, is, is speaking, two, it's smiling, it's to emotional uh, uh, um, transactions. I mean, the study of love is a very powerful and that demands another sermon. Atheism has no what? No love and no meaning. Instead, you have two little uh, ideas. You have Marxism and Freudism, uh, Freudian, Freud, Freudism, and they say relationships are what? Economic transactions. Um, in ancient, in, in my culture, in ancient Korea, a lot of marriages were together, not because they loved each other, just because a man and a woman together farm better than one person. I can't do all this rice by myself. Hey, you want to get married? Because two people work better than one. Okay, and they get married, and they make more money. It's an economic transaction. A lot of communist uh, governments are based on these economic transactions. And in Freudian relationships, are there just what? Sexual projections. You're not someone I love. You're someone that reminds me of my mom when I had a... Anyway, this gets really weird, and we can't talk about it right now. Okay? Meaning in relationships. In theism, you die to self, but you live for God. And because you're dying to self, because you die, there's a new self that appears every single day. And if there's a new self, there's ability to improve. You get better and better and better. And what's amazing is, in the book Education, that we, uh, Ellen White writes that we were created each day to become more like God. Do you understand how, how crazy this is? I used to think in, static, static, in, in a static way, where like, I need to be good. Today I read my Bible. Do, 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 do. Six points. Okay. I was really nice to the lady at the bus depot. 40 points. Do, 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 do. And I preached a message today. Do, 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 do. 80 points. Okay. I'm a vegetarian. Do, 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 do. Five points. <laughs> and uh, I memorized all of the Old Testament. Okay. Do, 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 do. 100 percent. Ding, 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 ding. And then like a little confetti comes out. Today you have been perfect. Congratulations. <laughs> and you sleep. And tomorrow, like, okay, there's no more day. Okay, do my divorce. Okay, but it's there. Oh, I ate a hamburger. But I memorized the New Testament. But I forgot all the Old Testament. And then at the end of the day, your score today is negative six. Evil person you are. That is not Christianity. But a lot of people live a Christian life like that. Yes? True or false? She talks about, not in terms of talking, in terms of static, but we call it dynamic. Each day, and what's amazing is this, when Adam was freshly uh, baked, <laughs> freshly out from the, from the creator's hand, was he like Jesus then? Yes. But the next day, he could be more like Jesus than the day before. But is he still like Jesus then too? Yes. But the day after, he'll be more like Jesus, even though yesterday he was already like Jesus. But the day that, every day would be continual growth. So after a thousand million years, you're a lot more like Jesus. But the next day afterwards, you would still be more like Jesus. I find that to be utterly liberating and utterly just crazily like, profound. And then the Bible says in Revelation, uh, John 17 that eternal life starts not when we go to heaven, but it starts when? Right now. So tomorrow, we can be more like, today, we can be like Jesus, yes. But tomorrow, we can be more like Jesus. And it's not overcoming cheese. Should we not eat cheese? Yeah, that's your own personal thing. But it's not just about diet, but there's, there's more things than that. Become more like Jesus.
We're constantly improving, reflecting peace with self, absolute freedom, and getting higher and higher and higher each day. Okay? A lot of people don't like this, 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 uh, this idea. They, an atheist, they said, there's no such thing as self-examination. You never improve. You're just changing, and you never have peace. You're just floating from one side of you to another, and just whatever, 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 whatever. You and your community in theism, God uses the changed heart to change what? Society. Okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm engaging this person. Then I'm engaging this person. Then I'm engaging that person. engaging this person. What happens through love and through a Christian influence, we're changing not just our community, but we're changing societies as a result. Atheism says, nope, it's just you. Just hang out by yourself. Do everything by yourself. You can't, you can't, you can't connect with anyone. You have no influence over them. And lastly, you in history. This means that you can learn something from the past and you can interact with your past. This is something we call a testimony. Okay? I used to be this, but now I'm this. But now I'm this, I have the faith that in the future I will be someone else. Whereas in atheism, time means nothing. You're always living in the what? In the present. And you can care less about the past or the future. Um, this is our last slide here. The reason to live is to enjoy the meaning God has placed in various entities, exalt the creator who made these things to happen, and the values attributed to them by him. And what happens is this. When you experience the true awe and that God created everything, and it's going to sound stupid, but you're walking and you start to appreciate the carpet. Wow, God made this carpet. Man, isn't it an ugly color. We can improve this carpet. Man, God made these chairs, but they're pretty ugly, but... We praise the Lord, we have chairs in the church. You go, God made grass. Man, this grass is just beautiful. Man, this air, this is Oregonian air. Man, this is fresh. Wow, there's trees here. Wow, there's people playing volleyball. Man, that volleyball is made out of blood. Well, you, you start putting meaning in everything, and you experience all wherever you go. Whereas an atheist, who cares? Everything is meaningless and game over anyway. Eternal life starts when? It is death, it is death then that has no meaning. I love this. In 1 Corinthians 15, um, the Bible is saying, Paul is like, dude, if I die, what's the big deal? I'll just be what? And what ultimately happens is, in a, in a theistic perspective, you become invincible. Nothing impacts you at all. You just have love for everything around you. Um, I, can, I, I won't share a story. I'll just keep on going here. Eternal life without what? Love is eternal what? And uh, yesterday I shared a testimony about that guy that, that did wrong to our family. If I go to heaven and my heart hasn't been changed, and I hate this guy, and that's why we all go to heaven and we, we're all in apartment buildings, you know, and I'm on floor 900, okay, room three, 903, and God, Jesus assigns us all these apartment, apartment mansions, and uh, every morning I, I, I open, uh, get out of my golden bed, these golden sheets, drink my golden water, and, um, open the golden door, and I pick up the golden newspaper that the angels have delivered. And I look, and I'm in apartment 903, and in apartment 904 is that guy that I hate. And he's picking up the newspaper at the same exact time. Every morning I wake up, I'd have this what? hatred towards him. Now you realize, how long are we going to be in heaven? 
Well, a thousand years for the, for the millennial judgment, but ultimately for, for when? In New Jerusalem, we're going to be there for forever. This heaven would not be heaven. It would be eternal what? Torture. Let's say I'm a smoker, and I love smoking, and I go to heaven. I'm there for a thousand years, and I'm like, man, I could just use a smoke, man. I just need, I need to get a, I need to get a, a this, or I need a, whatever, how, this, or whatever. And you can be searching all the universe for eternity, and just find some, and you'll never what? Find it. Will this be heaven for you? It'll be eternal torture. It is this one thing that you need that will make eternal life living. Time without love is torture. You guys got that? Time without love is torture. We don't learn that when Jesus comes. We learn that what? Right now. So this being said, who is the one person that can teach us this love? Love, I'm not talking about a hallmark love. I'm not talking about Valentine's Day, pink hearts with chocolate. Okay, that's just dumb. <laughs> what I'm talking about is a profound interaction and a self-sacrificing spirit for someone that you've never met before. Love is the willingness to take on a negative for somebody. According to this, this presentation here today, are you glad you're a theist? Question is, do you think you're a full theist? Or there are ways that, that, that we need to grow in as well. Now take out, take out your chart. And the reality is a lot of Christians are theistic on the outside, but they're a mixture of a lot of hodgepodge of these things on the inside. Are all Christians loving? I wish I could say yes, but that is not true. Let's go to theism, the first section there. God is one and infinite. He created something out of nothing. God is beyond the world, and he's also in the world, and he created humanity intentionally, yes, with a purpose. Miracles are possible and actual. We have a soul, body, immortal, and the original intention was to be immortal. Uh, our destiny is resurrection to reward or, or what? Punishment. Origin of evil is what? A free choice. The end of evil will be eventually destroyed by God. The basis for ethics is what? It's love. It's God's nature found in love. Nature of ethics is absolute, and history is linear. Some examples are Judaism, biblical Christian, I put Islam in parentheses because it's not really partially there, but not all there. After today's presentation on theism, what are some things that, 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 that come to your mind to reflect on this this afternoon? If you have love as a starting point, you have a very positive result. But a lot of people do not start off love as the starting point. They start off with pain. You know, that person who did me wrong. It's, it's, uh, it's horrendous results. No one else. Some reflections from today. What happens to that, to that plant when it stops growing? What is that an indication of? It's dead. It's dead. It's profound, sister. Thank you for that. All of nature already grows all the time. We need to be part of that system as well. Anyone else? Do you, do you see, hear what he said? That 
is essentially there's a theism and deism look very, 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 very similar, except for the fact of one factor. What's that? It's that intimate, excuse me, intimate relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one little click from personal to impersonal changes. Anyone else? Well, on that note, my prayer is um, let's start today. Not, not, I don't know where we all are, and, and um, appreciate the comment, sister, but uh, we're all in the same boat here. Let's be more loving each day. Not loving me more affectionate, but learning to embrace life for all that it's worth and see what the Lord has in store for us for today. Amen? Sufficient is the worries for tomorrow thereof. Let's focus on today. Lord, better than yesterday. I don't know about tomorrow, but for today, make me like Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Father, Lord, we are humbled before your sight. Lord, as we look at this chart... I don't know about my brothers and sisters, but for me, I may call myself a theist, but I have a, a composite picture of these other worldviews as well. Father, may we be consistent. May we not be reticent to the Holy Spirit. Make us more loving, Lord. Click all those right things in the right place where in, the, in, the, in the right way they should be. And Lord, may we change people communities, societies, nations, the world, not through anything that we've done, but through your Holy Spirit, your love, your grace towards us. This is our humble prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, Or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.